I'm not gonna cry because there's gonna be plenty of that going on when Abby takes the mic. But my family and I, we moved here in 2005 from Japan. And at that time, we had a, a little black country preacher from North Carolina who, in his heart, wanted a diverse church. He was very intentional with that. He wanted that diversity to be seen from the pulpit to the welcome, welcoming door. And it took some work to get that. So we get here, and guess what? We want the same thing. We were looking for the same thing. And we found it three years ago here at Mending Place. It is not natural for this to take place. Okay? Pastor and Sister Gates have been very intentional. And um, we got to go. We have to go. And they are sending along with us a picture of this church. They have been very intentional pouring out into us. And we have to take that intentionality with us. If you don't find Mending Place, you better be Mending Place. Now, I wanted to be spiritual because, you know, that's what I, my pastor. And the only scripture that kept ringing up is when the Lord told Joshua, Moses is now dead. But he's not dead. So I couldn't use that one. But what we can use is what came after that. Be strong. Be of good courage. Courageous. Not looking to the left nor to the right, but seek the Lord in all that you do. Do not forsake what you have learned in this place. And let the Lord build precept upon precept upon what you have received in this place. It is not for nothing. All of the weeping and the rejoicing, God will use it. I have counted it a privilege to serve the families of Mandy Place. It has been my honor calling and texting and interceding on the things that break your heart and make you rejoice. I will miss you deeply. And I appreciate every face that I can see right now. And that's what I will remember. Every thought of you, I will give the Lord praise. Every thought. Amen. God, I give you what I came today. 
These scattered ashes that I hid away, I laid it all at your feet. From the coldness of my deepest shame, the empty places where I bore your name, show me the love. I say I believe, help me to lay it down, oh Lord, I lay it down, oh let this be where I die, my
church as well. Remember, we decided to do this as a partner. <laughs> Straight setup. Amen. Um, When I started Mending Place, I thought I could hold on to some pretty ugly things and still be all right here. But I walked into a church that had a pastor that wanted to exceed expectations. <laughs> so he challenged me to get rid of some things and pick up some new habits. And the process of it wasn't the prettiest but it was well worth it. I remember 11 years ago, I walked into a home around a table and eventually would move into an actual office. <laughs> we had post-it notes around. We had the dry erase board and I just remember my pastor vision casting for this very moment right here. I remember the first lady coming and supporting him and not knowing that it was going to be a model of which our household would run to, that we were able to come together and make sure that we hold each other accountable. And I thank God for everything that we have seen and we've endured, for all the relationships I've been cultivated over the years, for people seeing me at my lowest and messiest points, to now rejoicing with me <laughs> and being able to walk, watch me walk into the gifting that God has given me. I've seen people who have supported us in trials and tribulations, the mountaintops, the hills and the valleys, and loved on us unconditionally. I see people who have welcomed my worship into an arena that I wasn't sure if it would suit everybody's style, but guess what, it did. <laughs> and I appreciated our pastor for allowing me to come in and to really just allow the Holy Spirit to move me in the area of worship. And I hope you received something from that. There's people in this very room that seen me go from a single guitar and one voice to having a team of people who are on fire for God. There's people in this very room that walked hand in hand alongside my husband and I during our trying moments and then the history of that and then being able to see the birth of our child come in and be able to have that gift from God and he being able to share that blessing with you. I'm excited because I have a pastor and first lady who is committed to changing the culture of Wichita. And I'm excited that they get to go into their new season in a high influence. And I get to celebrate with that. We get to celebrate with them with that. And I'm also excited to see where Pastor Darnell and I will be heading as well. But one thing that I keep feeling God is telling me is, or reminding me, is that the end of something's better than the beginning. It's because of you that my end to this season is better than the beginning. 
And so I want to tell you personally, whatever our relationship may have looked like, whatever trials we've been through together, the highs and the lows, that I would never have exchanged that for the experience that I had here at Mending Place. I am so honored to have sat under our pastor for so long and to really see life change, to be able to see how God had cultivated this arena, a safe place for people to come in and get healing, a safe place for restoration, a safe place to come in and try new things and maybe it not work out, to be experimental and yet still be successful and failing forward. And so I just want to tell you guys from the bottom of my heart, it's been an honor these past 11 years to serve as your worship leader. And it's been a greater honor to be able to grow intimately and to watch my relationship with God really flourish in this place. So thank you for investing in me. And I hope that my investment in you is something that you could take along with you. Thank you. try to pull a Tanya kid and keep it together. <laughs> try is a key word. So I remember back in 2007, me and Pastor Gates attended, along with Perry and Lisa, the same church. Um, and I was two years saved. And, and Darius, I'm sorry, and Darius, you was, you was like, what, 12? I mean, maybe, maybe 15, 16, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, and Teresa. And whoever else I'm forgetting, I went there. Thank you. See, that's why I love this place. Amen. Uh, and I was super hungry just to, to get to know the God of the scriptures. And one Wednesday, I was going to church, and the church was closed, and Pastor Gates was leaving, going to host a Bible study at a, a retirement home. And uh, he was like, follow me. And it was kind of crazy because I'm ghetto. And, and I got issues and, and I got trust issues. And so me and him kind of had a relationship, but not like that to like follow me type situation. But I, I followed him. Nevertheless, I followed him. And we show up to this place and he started teaching a, just a basic Bible study. Isaiah and Elijah was with him. They was about this tall. And when he started teaching, the scriptures just started coming alive to me. I'm like, oh, my God, that's what that means. And, oh, okay, I could see that. And I, I really started comprehending what the scriptures were. Um, we're talking about, we're saying in general, saying to me. And so I was like, I got to sit underneath this teaching, uh, hands down. So the following week, I was there 45 minutes early. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this. I was there 45 minutes early. I used to drive an old Suburban just sitting there with the with the uh, windows down and the engine off because, you know, Suburbans is eating gas, and it was hot. <laughs> and so he shows up, and he tells me, long story short, you can't come here. You need to go to church and whatever, whatever. And at that moment, I turned my back on my faith because I didn't understand the story behind the story. Um, and I was hurt, and I was in my feelings. And so I relapsed and went out and did my thing. 
fast forward years later, Darius's dad was working at residential, which is a like a work-based facility for people that's incarcerated. And he was telling me that Pastor Gates was starting a mending place. And so he says, you need to go check them out. And that was the first Sunday that mending place launched. And so I was there. And then I continued to show up in my cook's outfit with spaghetti sauce and everything else <laughs> on my uniform, hooping and hollering in the front row, acting crazy. And so it's safe to say that I've been here since day one, which is kind of the reason that I had to bust out the old, dirty, crusty, I serve Mindy Play shirt. Um, and it's such a blessing because I want to build and expound on what Tanya and Abby shared because they have a vision for the kingdom. They have a vision for the kingdom, and that vision for the kingdom that God allows us to experience should be a conviction within your heart against all your preferences, against, no, let me say that right, against all of our preferences and against all of our prejudices, and it should allow us to say no matter what's going on with somebody else, I got issues, I got issues, amen? <laughs> And, and that I should be able to put it to the side for the sake of the cross, Amen. right? So that his kingdom can expand on earth. And so we've had a, a foretaste to be able to taste that here together, doing life together through ups and downs, the good and the bad, the beginning and the end. And so now, um, as Jesus told the disciples to go and make disciples and, and, and we're going, and we're gonna find another place to fellowship and rub elbows with people. It's okay if somebody don't look like me. It's okay if somebody's not from the hood, right? It's okay if somebody don't talk uh, broken English or phonics. It's okay, right? Long as they love Jesus, we're gonna work this thing out, right? It's okay that they make more money, me or less money than me. For the cause of Christ, we can, we can let bygones be bygones and we could do this. Last thing, I'm gonna sit down. Y'all can't give a preacher a mic. Oh. I was looking at the clock, it was like 10, 17. I'm like, shh, we got some time. Anyways, last thing, I promise. When I think of mending place, I think of healing. Think of healing. News flash for some of y'all that don't get this. We are all broken. We all got issues. We all got issues that we need God to repair. And so in Matthew chapter 4, verse 21, the disciples were sitting in their boat and they were mending their nets. They were preparing their nets, but they were also repairing their nets. And that was what we had an opportunity to experience in this season. And I pray, y'all don't, y'all don't get it and it's okay, but I'm gonna say it the best way I can. I pray that you will give God permission to heal those broken places in your soul. Because if we don't, then we don't give God permission to use us how he wants to use us. When I think of mending place, I think of kids. I think of the next generation. I think of students. I think of celebrate our youth. I think of feel the you. 
I, I think of the first Easter egg hunt that we had trouble with because I used to like to say this, but a brother showed me this, and you could get with me after service. But I used to say to over-spiritualize things, Easter ain't in my Bible, but it is. But that's, that's a side note. Um, but I struggled with that because I didn't get the, the communal sense of what was going on, right? I think of the first picnic. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, Limbo and, and Abby's dad grilling and, and just the throwback, you know. I think of setting up and tearing down. I think of brothers um, getting there early and most churches are heavy on the lady side, but you'll see 10 to 12 brothers show up at 9, 9 o'clock to set out signs and do other things. I think of Saturday Night Live at Westview Baptist Church. <laughs> and all this stuff is outside of traditional church, which is, which is good on one hand, but bad on another hand. Because I want to be comfortable to say that I'm churchy, but I don't want to be churchy. And so I always find myself in this tug of war and this tension being here. And then I finally realized that all this was for my good and for somebody else's benefit. And that's the same thing for you, regardless of if you was here at the beginning, middle, or end. Last thing I wanna say is this, Pastor Gates, Pastor Dion Gates, Pastor Heather Gates, thank you guys for your investment. Yeah. As people start coming in this morning, I start thinking to myself, man, y'all stacking up some treasures in heaven. And Malone, we got to get a pick to duplicate diverse city before we leave. Amen. God bless y'all. I love y'all. Who volunteered me to go after the slideshow? see how this goes. I started to, uh, I won't be before you very long. I actually brought a paper so I'd stay on track. Um, but I tried to go over what I wanted to share yesterday and uh, cried every time, so we'll see. Maybe if I don't make eye contact. Maybe if that, <laughs> just do it with my face down. I want to start off by just assuring hearts today that this is good. But this is good. I had breakfast with a dear friend of mine yesterday who shared something that I think I'll always remember. She said, um, I admire you for making capacity to say yes to God. And that's what it is. It's just preparing your heart for what's next, even when you don't know what's next. And so I always had this rule that if I was going to get up, whether it was Mother's Day or I was going to talk about the kids or I was going to give an announcement, I felt responsibility that I wanted to share something that you might be able to take with you and, and hold on to and maybe help you. Where did my husband go when I needed <laughs> help? 
This is very fitting. Hey, she's got it. It's good. You know. I love it. I love it. So I want to start off by just saying um, how much I appreciate each one of you and just share how grateful I am for the faces that are in the room and those that we have journeyed with, for those that are online, for those that might hear this later, for those that are just in our hearts. Um, thank you for being here with us. Um, your presence uh, means so much to me. And sometimes when you come to the end of things, it's uncomfortable. And so uh, I wasn't sure if people would just be un too uncomfortable <laughs> and be like, yeah, I'll, I'll get with you later. And so when I saw the faces come in this morning, um, my heart is filled with all the good memories. All of the good memories. I love that Pastor Darnell had shared some, high, some from the highlight reel. And I should tell you this. So I prepared this slideshow, and I began with 468 pictures. <laughs> and that wasn't even all of them. And I was told, and it was a 22-minute slideshow. <laughs> and I was told that I needed to pare that down. Where do you even begin? Where do you begin? So the full version you will be able to see after service. <laughs> we'll have the full version. Um, but I spent a lot of time uh, looking through these pictures and just remembering all of the amazing stories uh, that we got to participate in with you guys that God has accomplished so much in you. And we just got to be there. And whether that was to hold a hand or say an encouraging word or to walk with you or to praise with you or to cry with you, we just got to participate in that. And that is a really cool thing, such a cool thing. And so I'm so grateful. And it was really, really hard to come up with, like, how do you tie all that up? What do you do? What do you say? How do you say how much? You appreciate people for being in this season with you. And I kept thinking about this thing that my husband does uh, when he is with someone who has come kind of to the end of their season, their life. <clears throat> and this person that he's talking to, uh, they're willing to share something with him. And he'll ask, is there anything that you would share that you could tell me that you could pass along to me? And that just kept coming up. And so I thought, that's what I would do. If I could share anything at the end of this season, at the transition, what would I share with you? You ready? Yeah. Here we go. All right. I'd start off by sharing with you Isaiah 55 and 8. And it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Over the past Many weeks, this scripture has been a comfort to me. Uh, I am learning it in a way that uh, I didn't understand it before, that God's ways are high above our ways. They're not like us. Because if it was up to us, we'd stay here and be a family and be comfortable and be familiar and be easy but we'd be limited. And when I say we, please know that I'm not meaning the Gates house. I'm talking about you guys. 
So God's ways are not our ways. So what have I learned at Mending Place? Here's my book report to the class. <laughs> I learned that the end means something different in the kingdom. That in eternity, that there's only transition and never completion. That nothing is wasted when you participate in God's plans and he uses everything to grow you and to help you and to train you to be all that he has designed you and destined you to become. I also learned that, or Jesus still learning, that God measures success differently than we do. <laughs> that here on earth, we store up barns and bank accounts and social media profiles, and those things, guys, are faintly remembered. But the most meaningful work is that which is eternal and lasting, and that that is branded by faith it is impactful throughout forever. I love this. I learned that our father watches our footsteps a whole lot more than he looks to the finish line. And in doing that, he walks with us and he ensures that he's going to complete that work that he started. But the refinement process, that lasts a lifetime. And so our God uses grace and mercy so that we can tolerate the heat of change. And he is a patient teacher. And he is a faithful father. I learned that we really don't know the greatness of our God that he hid within ourselves and others. I'll say that again. I don't know that we always realize the greatness of our God that he hid inside of us and inside of other people, because if we did, we wouldn't underestimate his ability to keep us and to grow us and to improve us and to reveal within us the treasures that he knit into us from the very beginning. I think a lot of times we quit too soon and we abandon God's plan because it looks so much differently than our own. And so I would encourage you, church, to stick with the mission always. Always stick with the mission, and even if the method changes, even if the plan deviates from what your original dream looked like. And then the last thing that I learned, or the last thing I'll talk about that I learned. You know that scripture that says Jesus did so much, books can't even contain it? Yes. Now, you wouldn't want me to talk like that. <laughs> At page 374. I learned that God is big. Let's just exhale on that. God is big. God is big, that there's nothing that he has not overcome, that he's a great defender and a victor, and he is our champion. That he goes before us all the while while keeping guard behind us. That we can say we're blessed beyond measure. That you can live beyond what you ever imagined because nothing escapes our God's reach. So church, pray big. Pray courageous prayers, audacious prayers. Fill them with faith. And then go out and live like you say you believe. Yeah. I would not be Sister Heather, Sister Gates, First Lady, Miss Heather, if I did not conclude our time together with prayer. Prayer is the most important thing that I think I participated here at Mending Place changed my life, to learn how to pray, 
So let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are amazing, that you are wonderful, that you are great, Lord God, and we can celebrate every part of you, even the mysterious parts and the parts that leave us uncertain. We can still be sure of this thing, that you are big and that you are good that your plans for us are good, that you see us, that we're not lost in the crowd. You are so wonderful, Lord God. And so in this next season, in this time of transition, Lord God, I know that you have each person in your hand. I know not one is lost, not one is overlooked. I know, Lord God, and believe that we are each important to you, that you are an amazing father. And so, Lord God, even though there is sorrow, there are also seeds of celebration as we remember what you have done. We remember, Lord God, how you took us from here to there and, and, and continued to grow us, and, and the heat was just right to do the work that you wanted to accomplish. I thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for the things that died in me. I thank you for the prayers that you said no to. I thank you, Lord God, for the doors that were shut. And Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity. And I thank you, Lord God, that seeds grow underground. And even when we can't see what you're doing, we can be assured of this thing, that you began something and you will complete it, Lord God. And so I pray, Lord God, that the hearts here, Lord God, that they would leave with hope and celebration and belief that you are wonderful. You are amazing. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for this chapter and the season of our life. And thank you, Lord God, that it's the catalyst to take us into our next. We praise you, God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. just for a second. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for all of you who decided to take time out of your normal schedules, whatever it is that you do on Sunday mornings. I don't know. <laughs> you know I got to get a couple of them in, right? Uh, it is uh, an honor and a privilege to be your pastor. It's an honor and a privilege for uh, our lives to have intersected in some way, whatever that way might be. And we can't fully know those moments. We don't fully know exactly how one life might impact another life or a group of lives might impact a group of lives, a neighborhood, a community, a city, a country, the world. We are the beneficiaries of ideas, I believe, that you are a living embodiment of an idea that God gave a young man several years ago that his wife said yes to, and we started living into it. So as you look around and you see the faces of the people in this room that you might know some stories, but you don't know fully all the stories, uh, Mending Place has been always an idea that without you, it is nothing. Without you, it's what we find 
to be true about life when we look back at life and we say, well, I wish I would have, I could have, or I had the potential to. Uh, but you actually are mending place. And so whatever the story, whatever picture, whatever story you might have that tells of your existence with this community, uh, it, it matters, it counts. It will always count. I thought about preaching to empty chairs uh, over 18 months ago. And it, it solidified for me in my mind uh, what Mending Place really stood for and what Mending Place stands for. When I was here pretending like I could see your face preaching to you, uh, whether you were watching or not, I was confirmed in me that this is greater than just an idea story, but it matters because it's real people involved and it's real life. So what may have been a real cool idea in some part of my mind eventually came to people and then people matter. And if I thought I was just playing church for a little while, it really quickly became clear that it wasn't just pretend, but these are real lives, real people dying, real people being brought to life, babies being born, people experiencing real trauma, people experiencing real joy, things happening in real time, and us actually engaging in that way on a spiritual level. God has blessed me tremendously by being your pastor. Here's the hope or some of the hopes that I have for you is that you would recall where you might have engaged in the story and you would see yourself as a real legitimate piece of the story and not just, well, I kind of had a sort of a moment here and there. But all of this is how God works. I thought about some of the small stories, the small names, the people who are obscure in scripture that their story is in the big story and how God might use 12 years of a church in South Wichita to be a part of his big story. We don't know exactly how that looks moving forward, but if you speak of Mending Place to friends, family, you speak of something you might have learned here from someone in the room or from something that you've experienced here, then this idea moves on, it lives on, and it still is a part of the bigger story that God has for you, your family, and those who will come after you. So 12 years ago, last week, I pulled up in a van uh, at Osage Rec Center with, you know, my shocks of the van weighted down because I got these big old speakers in the back. And uh, I see Mo here, I see Copperch here. This morning, I looked at the video footage from that, that day. And I thought about the people who were in the room that day, you two and Heather, and we were unloading and we had about this many chairs, like three rows of chairs in the, in the room. And... It was this idea that uh, some other people had to buy into to make it work. I didn't know if it was gonna work. Uh, I questioned and doubted whether or not God had made a mistake. Uh, the same way that I questioned and doubted whether God had made a mistake that day when we started August the 2nd of 2009 is the same way that I was questioning and wondering had God made a mistake about us bringing this to a close. Uh, and what I knew about him is that he had proven himself faithful for the last 12 years, and I realized that he was proving himself faithful even now in this moment. I was encouraged this morning as I looked at the video footage and thought that I said that we were going to be, I'll show this footage at our 30-year, 40-year anniversary is what I said, Coppage. I said that, and I was like, uh, yeah, that's when we're going to celebrate what God has done. And a little bit of me was disappointed because I felt like, man, we missed the mark. But God keeps telling me every time that I try to set a mark or a calendar a date that he hasn't set, that he always reminds me that it's not my timetable, but his. 
And so I, I, I had to be reminded of that this morning. And I've been reminded of that over the course of the last two months, three months, as we knew that this was coming to a close, that it doesn't mean that it was failure. It doesn't mean that it was something that was missed on me or by my part, but it just simply says that God had other plans. And his plans have always been better. His plans have always been better than my plans. Even when we tried our best to be strategic and define what was going to be, have purpose and be clear, uh, it, it still matters to me that we have plans, but his plans are always better than my plans. So we moved from a rec center to Kelly Elementary School, from Kelly Elementary School to Truesdale Junior High, from Truesdale Junior High to Westview Baptist on Saturday nights, from Westview Baptist to here. Uh, anybody, if you just would just raise your hand, I want to just do this in poll and look in the room. If you were there at Osage, would you raise your hand? I want you to see who's there. Look, look around, look around. I should look around and see who's in the room at Osage. Uh, if you were there at Kelly, I, I think it'd be easier if we stood because then people could see you. If you were at Kelly, stand. If you, you came to many places at any particular time at Kelly Elementary, I want you to stand. Now look around. I want you to see, I want you to see who's in the room, those of you there. If any one of you came, now you may be seated. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna add, add this one because some of you might not have come at any of these places, but you came here at Truesdale where we had the big trailer. How many came at Truesdale? Truesdale. Yeah, some of you gonna keep standing. Yeah, yeah, if, if you came at Truesdale. Now, some of you might not stand because you fell off somewhere along the way. Like, I didn't, I didn't show up there, but I came back. Okay, so if you were there when we decided to say, like, we're gonna do Saturday nights at Westview, if you showed up at Westview, will you stand so people can see you? All right. All right, good. Now, I want you to be seated. All of you who have came along the way, somewhere along the way before we got here in this space, that has built what others who didn't stand are sitting in right now today. Yeah. It's showing up. It's showing up to 21 days of prayer. It's showing up to an event, bowling. It's showing up to birthday parties and baby showers. It's, it's showing up to baptisms. It's showing up to, uh, to, to, to all the things that we've done, whether it was taking the kids to camp, whether it was us uh, being instrumental in making sure that families got fed during the holidays, whether it was making sure that people who have limited resources could get hygiene products to make it through the month. Uh, whether it was getting backpacks to kids who were un underserved and under-resourced, whether it was us saying that we believe in Wichita and that we were going to be a part of helping make things better versus sitting on our hands and complaining about all the things that don't work well in our community. It, those things matter. And uh, we, I think, have done a great job of being a church that really lived outside of the four walls of the building, that we didn't mind being seen. Small, maybe quirky, a little weird and unruly sometimes, <laughs> but we're a church that didn't mind showing up. And showing up matters because Jesus shows up. And if we're gonna model him and model his behavior, then we should show up as well. Amen. We exist to reach people who are far from God and lead them to live a life of victory through Jesus Christ. That existence doesn't end at the end of service today, but that carries on. Because that's just a portion, a part of the Great Commission we see lived out in Scripture in the text. We just rephrased it so it makes it sound good from us, from Matthew chapter 28. So what we do is we both 
And you should be both of these. We should be evangelistic, and we should also then be in the business of helping develop disciples. Now, for some of you, you might think, well, I'm never going to be that. I'll never have a title or authority or do this, do that. But making disciples happens in your home. Making disciples happens on the job. It, it happens in the way we do life with people who are saved and unsaved. That, that, that vision, the purpose statement of the church, lives on in you every day if you choose to breathe and to be able to express God's goodness in your life. And so I'm encouraged by the fact that I know that many places, because it's an idea, it doesn't die with a service coming to an end. It lives on in you as it's been echoed by others who've gotten an opportunity to speak. I would, uh, we thought about this being like a homegoing service and, and we said, we said, we're gonna put up a table and give everybody two minutes. <laughs> no, we weren't gonna do that, right? Anybody been to a black funeral lately? Remarks, keep the two minutes and you're there for three hours and you're like, why did I go to that? You know, uh, here's what I want you to do. Uh, what I want you to do is I want you to find time in the course of when we come to an end and we begin to kind of fellowship and celebrate to share your story, to share something that someone in the room has done or you've noticed, you acknowledge, because it's just not about us at the front of the room, because without you, it's nothing. And so I want you to be able to share something with your brothers and your sisters that have impacted you in a favorable way, something that you learned, something that you're the better for. And can I tell you, sometimes it's the stuff that you don't really like, that's the stuff that you're the better for. Can we be honest about that? Because we're not all kumbaya in here. There's things that you don't like about some people in the room and some things they don't like about you in the room. And that's going to be the thing that really helps us get better because iron sharpens iron. It's that clanking, it's the clinking and the clacking and all that other stuff that makes us better, that shapes us for God's glory. So uh, if you had a bad experience in this place, what you consider bad initially, uh, keep living long enough and maybe what you thought was bad, you will find out that it was for your good. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so, so I can't end without this text because I told you I was gonna tell you about greater, right? So greater. So in your Bibles, I want you to get your Bible out if you got your Bible. If you don't, we have a screen and we're going to give it to you. The very first message I preached at Mending Place at South City was uh, a message from Ecclesiastes <clears throat> chapter 10. And here's the verses, but, but these, this isn't where I want you to land. This is just the beginning. Because I thought about like, what was the first thing I actually said to the congregants, the members of Mending Place? And I, I read this. This is the NIV version. Ecclesiastes 10, 5 through 7 says, If there's an evil I have seen under the sun... Uh, the sort of error that arises from a ruler, from people in authority, those in the leadership. Fools are put in many high positions while the rich occupy the low places. I have seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. And I thought to myself, I didn't know it at the time, but as I was speaking these words over you, that I was basically saying that this is what many places destined to do. Our outcome is to make sure that people are operating in a rightful place that you would not be a slave when you really are free and you're a prince. And, and we talk about winning a lot in the congregation in the room. But I thought like, okay, so I started this way and that's the very first text, the very first message that I preached at the church. But if I had like one verse or some couple of passages I would preach at the very end, what would I say now in this moment? And at Mark chapter one, verse 16 through 20 is where I want you to turn. Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee and he's talking to some folks who would be disciples, who would be named in a book, who we would then preach and teach from letters that they've written and the things they've done. And I thought to myself, what about Zebedee? 
What about Zebedee? What about the father of John and James? What about him could inform us on what greater looks like? So I started off this last four messages talking about what? Grief. Then, then secondly, I talked about what good ground looks like. And thirdly, I talked about what? Gratitude. And now I end with this word for you, greater, as we come to a close. I believe that greater looks different depending on where you're looking from and who you are in any particular story. But nonetheless, God designed greater is greater for everybody. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's no way that God has a next for me and not a next for you. Does that make sense? If there's a greater for me, then there's a greater for you. And I want you to jump into this story thinking like that. Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 20, NIV, and as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Not like Pastor Darnell, who was kind of skeptical about following me. (laughs) Verse 19, when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is a very profound text here, this idea that These boys, who in this particular day and age, in this society, in this culture, wouldn't have just got up and jumped out of the boat to go follow a stranger like this. This is a very powerful idea that John and James, yes, we highlight and say, wow, they were obedient and they followed the Lord as he came beckoning them in some way. Come, follow me. They did it. That's amazing. But I thought about Zebedee. I thought about Zebedee being able to help his boys identify the greater. I thought about Zebedee not saying that it would be good for you to stay with me and our hired servants and then blowing the business out and making it bigger and making it better. Our dream, our family dream, the idea that we have about our future is tied up in you boys taking these boats and maybe multiplying the boats, hiring more servants, fishing more, catching more and doing better than I did. We have a dream as a family that looks like this, but then all of a sudden, Jesus steps into the room. He steps into the situation. He steps into your story, and you didn't expect it to look like that, but he calls you out of the story that would be okay with culture, that would be okay with family, that would be okay with everyone else who knows the industry, the business, the thing that you do well, and he calls you out of that place of comfort, and he says, come and follow me. Zebedee saw something that he had to be able to affirm, yes, in the boys, go, follow that man. What a, what a beautiful picture of what we see even now today in this room as we come to an end of what we thought was going to look like this. But Jesus steps in and say, no, come, follow me. And the story that I had pales in comparison when I really reflect on it to what the story he has for those boys. Would we be talking about James and John had not Zebedee said, no, boys, you go and follow him. We may not realize this, but they had to get permission and the okay from their father before they were ever to be able to do something like that. The invitation came from Jesus, but permission came from from their father. 
Zebedee sees that this is better than catching fish, catching men. Do you hear what I'm saying to you today? It wasn't on his radar when he saw the boys at their young age and he was teaching them the, the patterns and the methodology of fishing. Catching men wasn't on his radar scope when he thought about what would be their outcome, their end, what life would remember them for. It was catching fish, but God saw something else. He said, no, 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 they should be those who catch men. And those who catch men will be remembered for far greater and far longer and have more impact than those who catch fish and fill men's bellies. But he was talking about filling the souls of men and not just the belly. When God steps into this situation, this circle, and we start thinking about the stories that we might have and the, uh, the story arc and the characters and the roles that our children and we might play in anybody's life, even now as we're in the room, what that might look like is different when we see God interjecting and saying, no, the story now takes a turn this way. What Zebedee saw is what I want you to see. What Zebedee saw is what I hope that we all would be able to see, that when Jesus calls and he beckons, that we would be willing to drop our story to pick up his, because that's what's greater. The greater thing is to say that, no, God, your plan is better. Now, here's the thing that you have to know, that they didn't know how that looked, catching, fish, catching men, because they knew how to catch fish. And you shouldn't be the type who would say that, no, pastor, I only do things that I know how to do. Zebedee saw it, and he knew it. He knew this, that it's important for you to have margin so that you might have a better vision of your life and what might be next, just in case God wants to do it differently than what you had planned. Zebedee saw this, that you have to be able to trust other people around you to help you identify what greater is for your life. Zebedee saw this. The greater cannot always be measured by human scales. Zebedee saw this, that even sometimes greater might hurt you in your flesh. His dream of having his boys take on the family business would not be realized, but he had to trust in this Galilean walking along the, co the coastline, saying that this is better than them staying in a safe place with you in this boat. I could use them in my boat. May we be always be informed by what he saw. And I think also that times that greater may be different and contrary to cultural norms. Greater is that way. Hopefully you have experienced greater in this room because greater takes you out of your realm of normal even as it relates to church life and kingdom because you've been involved in events and you've been involved in services with people who don't look like you, who don't think like you, who don't act like you. you none of your preferences are being met. And you, you fall in line with a long line of people who just like in this story that we're reading, they've chosen something that they don't, they're unfamiliar with, but they know that in the end it will be better for them nonetheless. I've told you and you've heard me say it many times if you've been in the room any length of time, that it requires a level of sacrifice to be in a room this diverse. It requires it. 
that you're going to have to say what? I don't get that. I don't get that. I like this. I prefer this, but they don't do it that way. But yet and still, there is something greater and more important about what we're doing that I would put aside my preferences for God's promises. And I'm hoping, yeah. And I'm hoping that that would be a part of a mantra that would echo in your hearts as you continue forward in your faith journey. That you wouldn't be driven by your preferences so much. Zebedee saw that. It had been his preference to have his boys stay with him, for him to grow old, to see them go farther than what he had went, to have their sons become fishermen. He had an idea, but what God wanted to do is take a principle and then show him another way of doing that same thing that John and James would have sons, that they would have family. And those family may not always have been born from their loins, but the things that they were going to do that they would then multiply and echo and reproduce for God's glory. Those things matter. What Zebedee saw is that it wasn't about an occupation. It was about purpose. It's about purpose. What is it that God might want to do in my sons? What is it that God might want to do in my life and how that then changes the trajectory of his lineage? It's important for you to be able to know that God has called you not just to whatever job title or role you might have, whatever authority you might possess or will acquire, but that he's called you to purpose. And he's called all of us to be fishers of men. All of us. At some point in time, God has interjected himself and jumped into your story and said, no, this, not that. And we've had to make a decision on, are we really ready to go to greater? Greater starts off with sacrifice. That's the way it has to be. That's the way it will be. But I believe also that greater always includes the call of God. What is God calling you to? What is he calling us to? I hope that you've been kind of playing with that idea as me and my wife was playing with the idea that God is calling us to something, you know, not just away from something, but to something. As he called these boys away from something, he's calling them to something. And what might have been a time of mourning, even then in the, on the boat because of the things that weren't going to turn out right, it also was a time of celebration for what will be or what potentially might have been for them. It didn't always look rosy. As you know, the gospel being played out that it might have been kind of sexy initially to be a part of the 12, but then we see as it comes to an end and conclusion, it was, it was death at the end of it. But at the same time, there was resurrection. And it's the same way that it happened on the boat, it's the same way that it happened at the cross, it's the same way that it's happening even today. That the end, yes, is death, but then it's also resurrection. I'm informed and encouraged by this idea of resurrection in the room and in us. That greater requires sacrifice. That greater requires us to say that that's done and now comes this new. All in the same place, all in the same moment, whether on the boat, the Sea of Galilee when they first were called, or whether they were rejoicing at the fact that the Savior they saw crucified had now been resurrected, or even now in this room as mending place comes to an end on 8 8 21, 
that we choose to be able to say like, yes, I do more than that, but I also rejoice because I know that God's in the business of always bringing about a glorious resurrection. It's greater. It's true. And it's for you, it's for me and us. It's for us to pick up on this pattern. For us to not just say that, you know, that was a good time, but then my best days are behind me because that's a lie. Your best days are before you. The best that God has for you is before you. He's in the business of growing you. Glory to glory, faith to faith. He's in the business of laying it line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. He's in the business of taking you from where you are to where you will be. He's in the business of navigating that unknown space in between your now and your next. That's what he does. He does it better than anyone. If you will, in closing, in like a parting shot, if you will, if you would allow me to speak a blessing over you and over your families. If you're with someone that you came with, just grab their hand maybe, hold on to them. This is what I feel like the Lord's given me as your pastor, the final act, to pray this over you. You can stand, you can, well, I mean, I stand, don't stand, stand, stay seated. You can, you can, you can cry, you can, you, can, you can keep your eyes open, you can bow your heads, whatever you wanna do. But I want you to listen more than anything. I want you to listen. And we'll have this given to you before you leave the room. Printed copy so you can memorialize it. I, DM Gates, confer this blessing upon you, the members of Mending Place. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. May God bless you from above the firmament. May he give you all the blessings which he blessed Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, and David with. Everything he said to them and everything that he promised to give them, may he attach it to you and your descendants until eternity, like the days of heaven above the earth. May the spirits of Satan not rule over you and your descendants to remove you from following the Lord, who is your God from now and forever. May he make your children a great nation and bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. May he bless those who blesses you and those who dishonor you will he curse. And in you may all the earth be blessed. May God's presence be as the dew of heaven, the fullness of the earth, and the plenty of the field and vine upon your life. May the Lord set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. May you keep his word and not deny his name. I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. And as it goes with, well with you, may your soul prosper. You are born of an incorruptible seed. God has provided the ground, the water, and the sun for your provision. You are a generous people. You have no fear of lack. You are good ground. You will sow in good ground. 
And may you reap 30, 60, and 100 fold. May your days be filled with his strength and wisdom. May God uphold you with his righteous right hand. May you grow in favor with God and with men. May godly wisdom be poured out richly in your thoughts, your words, and your actions. May your faith and patience flourish so that you will not leave one promise unclaimed. May the Holy Spirit not be quenched in your life. May you fulfill your purpose through the Holy Spirit's power working freely in your life. May the world know the Lord and his love through you. And finally, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.